Welcome to another edition of the Vault Studio Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is James Cooney and I'm joined by my co-host, Lewis Glover. Lewis, how are you, mate? James, I'm great and it's a, it's a pleasure to be talking fantasy football so soon after we recorded our, our last episode. Yes, I have uh, work all this week, so unfortunately we have to do it on Monday night, but that's okay. We can uh, quickly recap the preseason just happened, which we'll do at the top, and then uh, we'll go from the AFC East, and then finally, as always, ending on some mailbag questions, and we might also touch on our uh, FF Down Under Bowl teams too. But before we start, you can go visit our website, thevaultstudio.com.au, where you can find articles such as Lewis's one this week. Um, Who did you do on this week, Lewis? It's not come out this week, but I will probably be doing an article on the Patriots just because they're the most going to be the most fantasy relevant team in the division, and that's sort of the the theme I've been going with so far. So yeah, there'll be something on the Patriots coming out this week. Awesome! You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Vault Studio. Also, purchase the T-shirt that we've got going. Um, Don't go chasing field goals. I believe it is. I just bought one today. Um, Help us out. um, Help the studio, and uh, we can keep going. uh, Keep this thing going. And lastly, you can follow Lewis's page, FF Down Under, on Facebook and Twitter. So as I mentioned at the start, I think we should uh, go through our top three uh, moments of the preseason. Lewis, you'd like to go first? Sure, it's very kind of you. Uh, I think my first one will have to be the, uh, you know, the debut of Kirk Cousins in Minnesota and his connection with Stefan Diggs. Last, you know, last episode, we were talking about what we were expecting from the Vikings this season. It was awesome to see him out there on the field. And, and honing in on Diggs as well. There was a, a nice touchdown pass. There was a few really nice throws to him. So it's good to see that that connection between Kirk and Stefan Diggs is is uh, in fruition. That's it. Yeah, I just picked up Diggs in uh, my FF Down Under Bowl team. So I'm really happy about mm. that. I'm looking forward to it. My one is uh, Darius Geis. And uh, unfortunately, he... Uh, <sighs> yeah, I know. I had high hopes on him this, this season. I was about to pick him up too this week in my team. But yeah, unfortunately, he's out for the year of his ACL, which um, really, really hurts. Um, it hurts the Redskins offense, hurts Smith Valley too. Um, they're gonna, I think they're going to give it to Rob Kelly as their starter. But yeah, it's a toss-up between Thompson, Kelly and Perrine. Um, but yeah, it's just a hurt um, to Minnesota's team this year. Washington's. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Washington. I'm looking at a Minnesota batter, that's why. <laughs> All good. Yeah. Um, last last episode, we touched on maybe a running back by committee that you don't want any part of in fantasy football. That could be the Redskins now because Rob Kelly and Samaj P. Ryan are hashtag bad at football. Chris Thompson is really, really good, but he's rehabbing the injury. We don't know when he'll be back to 100%. We've heard November. So, and he's like, you know, he's prone to, to, to being hurt. So, Maybe that's a, a backfield that I don't particularly want any part of uh, for fantasy purposes. My uh, my second top preseason moment is on Johnson. I mean, we discussed the Lions as well, and I think he looked good. He looked he looked really solid in what I expected from him in his in his limited uh, exposure in the preseason. So I want to see some more from him if possible. But at the same time, you want to put these dudes on ice and in bubble wrap because. Can't see another rookie running back or another running back go down with an ACL, and unfortunately, it's probably going to happen if they, you know, they keep playing these preseason games. Exactly, these preseason games are just um, horrible for uh, people getting injured. Um, which is my second one too, San Francisco with all their injuries. Um, they're my fantasy team this year. They had three uh, major injuries: um, Jerry McKinnon, uh, Matt Breida, who was going to be his 
um, backup and George Kittle. Um, McKinnon's injury isn't too bad. I think um, all reports uh, are saying it's only a minor injury, a strain. So hopefully he'll be back yeah, in the next small, couple. Small calf strain by all reports. So mm. I think again, I think they're going to wrap him up and, and keep him on the sidelines till till the regular season. But first reports and fears were similar to guys that maybe it was going to be an ACL. So that's great news. And mm. um, yeah, Matt Breida could have stepped up here, who I really liked as a backup running back. But now he's out too for a separated shoulder. Same with George Gill. He's got a separated shoulder. They should be back by week one. But yeah, just preseason injuries are killing um, Fantasy Valley at the moment. I uh, completely agree. It's a, it's a shame. But I'll tell you whose fantasy value might be on the rise. And that's my, my third. That's my QB1, Baker Mayfield. Ooh, here we go. He looks awesome. And I don't care if people say it's the preseason, getting carried away with the hype. Baker did everything that you wanted to see out of him. He had poise in the pocket. He stepped up. He made some really good throws. He scrambled well. And the thing that I liked the most when he was scrambling is he was still looking to throw. So there was a couple of nice conversions for first downs that he, he scrambled for, but he, he, he had his eyes up. He was looking downfield. And then the the uh, the scramble and the incredible pass to Antonio Callaway, who also had a, a fantastic opening preseason game. And that catch by him on, on the sideline, the toe tap, was was uh, really impressive. And you can see why the Browns took a risk on him despite all his, his off-the-field concerns and friends leaving weed in the car. No, who really cares about that? He, yeah, he's a great quarterback. All right, the Browns have high hopes for him, and I do too. Um, but we'll touch on him, I think, maybe next week in our uh, preview for the uh, AFC North. Uh, sorry, North, yeah. yeah. Um, my last one is Andrew Luck, um, coming back from yes. his uh, neck injury. Um, looked really good. Looked, yeah, looked really good out there. Um didn't look like the Andrew of old, but yeah, it was throwing well, which is a good sign. Six for nine of 64 yards and two scoring drives. Um, only problem I have with that is uh, Anthony Costanzo is still out with his uh, hamstring injury. He's had problems with the off-season, and uh, part of uh, Andrew Luck being Andrew Luck is uh, keeping him um, off the dirt, and without a good left tackle there, it's going to be pretty hard. But it's great to see him back out there, especially with his new mustache. Have you seen it? I have seen it. He looks like a different person. And he looks like he's had some of that Captain America special juice from the machine because he is swole. Yeah, he's a big Andrew boy Andrew Luck is, is huge. And for someone who's had a damaged shoulder, he's been pumping some serious iron. I might be cheating on Jimmy J with uh, Andrew Luck, I reckon. <laughs> All righty. Now let's uh, start with the uh, AFC East preview. Um, who we got first, Lewis? We have got the New England Patriots, my team. And the uh, unfortunate runners-up of the uh, of the Super Bowl. So I figured there, if we'd start off with their most fantasy relevant player, their their probably now their their best fantasy option or weapon, and it's Rob Gronkowski. He's the clear tight end one to me this season. He's in a tier role on his own. But, you know, you can talk about Kelsey and and Ertz, and they're both fine fine tight ends and very good fantasy players. But I think given the the suspension of Julian Edelman and the departure of some of the other players, and we'll talk about the wide receiver call shortly. The the uh, stage is set for for Rob Gronkowski to come out and just have an absolutely monstrous season and put up you know wide receiver one numbers in the tight end position. Yeah, look, I was hoping to target uh, Gronkowski, my FF10 underball team. Someone took him right before me at pick eleven. Not happy about that, but yeah, if he can stay off the field, which um, all reports seem like he can be. Um, yeah, as you said, he's just one of the best players in football and he's going to be a Hall of Famer one day. 
Um, you saw against the Eagles that he destroyed him when he was on the field. They t- Tom Brady targeted him. It's going to be like that all year. If he can stay healthy, he's one of the best tight ends. Yeah, he's going to get he's going to get peppered with targets, and he's just a mat- a matchup nightmare. You see him the. He just, he just can't he can't be covered when he's in the mood. And this is probably the healthiest he's ever been for the Patriots because when he was drafted, he had the back concerns. He's had ongoing things throughout his entire career. This season, there's been, been no injuries. He played through the full season with the exception of a dead leg. So there's been nothing severe. And he, he also said that he's, he's feeling the healthiest he's ever been. And I saw an interview with him uh, about a week ago, and he was just talking really instead about you know trying to get back into shape and getting in football shape he was talking about refining his game and making the taking the you know those small 1 to 2% improvements which he feels can take his game even to the even to the next level and and I'm very excited to see what he can do so yeah gronk is going as the tight end one overall 23 overall which you know if you can get gronk at the back end of the second round it's a it's a a value pick because of the there's just the tremendous upside he has. He's not like any other tight end. He will put up wide receiver one numbers. Yeah, exactly. There's not much you can say about Gronk. He's the best tight end when healthy. If not, that's the only issue he has. Um, moving on to their crowded running back field. They've got Rex Burkhead, Sony Michelle, James White, Jeremy Hill. Um, who'd you like to touch on first? Let's go with Rex Burkhead because he's now the one going highest since Sony Michelle had the, the small procedure on his knee. I understand it was to to drain fluid from his knee that there was was building up around it. So I don't think it's anything serious, but one of the concerns with Michelle and why he fell to the Patriots with the thirty first overall pick, I believe it was, was these the these knee concerns that came out, you know, they only came out a few days before before the draft. So that's why he fell in the draft to them there. He was um <clears throat> sorry, and um, so it's why Burkhead's ADP has climbed, and I still think he's excellent value going as the the RB twenty seven. His price is continuing to go up though. So if you want him, you know you've got to got to get in early. But he's he will open the season as the RB one on one of the best offenses in the league, and he does everything. He runs between the tackles. He's excellent at goal line work, and he can play and line up in the slot as well. He's got very good hands. Uh, Bill Belichick loves him. He loves everything that he can do. And they also paid him quite a lot of money for the Patriots. We don't s- spend at the running back position, but the Patriots gave him a, a nine, $9.5 million contract. Uh, they didn't want to pay Dion Lewis, who had an excellent season. So uh, to me, it speaks volumes about the, how the team feels about Burkhead and, and how he can contribute. Yeah, when uh, Michelle went down, obviously Burkhead's uh, stock ray, uh, uh, rose a bit. Um only concern about Michelle, as you touched on before, his injury, his knee. Um, he's had problems with that in the past. Um, he also has some ball con- uh, security concerns as well. Uh, that's to be noted too. But yeah, Rex Burkett, I like a lot. I picked him up in my FF Down Under team. Um, Me too. I saw that. I saw that. Um, yeah, he's just a great player. I, yeah, when Belichick gives a contract to a running back, um, you know they're serious about him. Um, he's yeah, going yeah, late fifth. Uh, that's about right for me. Um, probably... That's probably good value right there. Probably don't want to be looking too high. Um, you don't want to pick him in the third round because there's other players that I feel that are better than him at there. But with Belichick too, he does like to um, use running backs each week. So he might use Burkhead one week. He might use James White in the next. It's really how Belichick feels, to be honest. Yeah, it does happen sometimes with the Patriots. But he did have a, a solid stretch last season when, it, when again, we talk about injuries. It's just... 
a byproduct of playing running back. It's a physical position, but through in a nine-game stretch last season, he finished twice inside the top 12, three times inside the top 24, and once inside the top 36. So for where you got him, he was a waiver wire pickup, and even where he's being drafted now, RB27, and there's there's less competition because Deion Lewis is gone. And so, yeah, there's definitely the opportunity for him to consistently finish inside the top 24 with the with the upside of touchdowns to to go into the top 12, top 16 on a weekly basis. So, yeah, Burkhead, big fan. Michelle, a little bit later, um, about 10 spots overall, he's going to... So if you missed on Burkhead, I'm still happy to take Michelle there because it's not a super serious knee injury. And he does have these concerns about his knees. We're just looking at his number of games he played each season in college. In a fre- As a freshman, it was eight games, fair enough. Didn't really see much. He was spelling, spelling uh, other players. But then... 13 games, 12 games, and 14 games. So it wasn't like he was missing a ton of time through these knee injuries. So hope the only concern for him is that, you know, he's missing out on the preseason. He's missing out on the on the development and picking up the offense. But he's a talented player, and there's a reason why Bill went out and drafted him there. It's There was you know, massive holes. Everyone can see terrible defensive issues when Nick Foles carves up your defense, right? But they saw something in Michelle. They felt that he was the right pick for the team. Um, and they also drafted his his teammate from Georgia, Isaiah Wynn, uh, a guard who's going to improve the offensive line, which needs work, especially after Solder left as well. So either Burkhead or Michelle, you're probably only going to get one of those, uh, unless you maybe want to take him on, on at the back end of the fifth, early sixth, and grab the entire, pretty much entire Patriots backfield, which might be a nice option as well, because between the two of them, you're going to get locked on running back one production. Pretty much. Um, moving on to their wide receivers, Edelman's suspended for four games. Um, they've also just lost Jordan Matthews, who I was really high on um, as a slot receiver. Yeah, I was I was high on it. It's a shame about Matthews. Yes. Yeah, so, um, they've also got Chris Hogan, who's uh, ADP right now is 56, and he's incredibly rising too. Um, what do you see, Chris Hogan? Because you probably know more about him than me. I'm so excited for Chris Hogan this season, as per- particularly because... Edelman's out for the first four games. Brandon Cooks is with the Rams now. Um, you know, people see Hogan, they see a, you know, see a white guy, former lacrosse player. They don't necessarily think him as one of the most athletic wide receivers, but he can get deep and he's got he's got wheels on him. In 2016, he led the NFL in yards per reception. He was Tom Brady's deep threat. He didn't play that role, obviously, because Brandon Cooks is even better at that. But Hogan can do that. He can also play play inside in the slot. He can play out wide he's very versatile and tom brady really trusts him he's got excellent hands and he's tough as well he, he takes hits he's not afraid of of coming inside and taking shots so very excited last season uh between weeks two to eight again it's a recurring theme though some injuries but weeks two to eight he was the wide receiver five averaging 15 points per game so while edmund's out i'm expecting wide receiver one numbers top 12 fantasy football numbers from him when he comes back that might regress but he's still going to be a low-end type wide receiver two inside the top 24 and he does have that upside of of the touchdowns because Brady does look his way in the in the red zone as well so Hogan isn't is an absolute massive value yeah I'll be looking wide receiver 25 yeah yeah he's great value right there um we've touched on Edelman he's coming back off his ACL injury um he's got the four game suspension are you going to take him if he's there 37, 67 no, overall? No, I uh, going at where he is, 67 overall, it's just too high for me. I love Edelman. Uh, he, he's one of my favorite players for the Patriots. He's he's so reliable. But 
after missing a whole season, torn ACL. Then he's got the you know the suspension. So it's just it's just difficult to 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 spend such a high pick. You know, a, a what is that a sort of sixth round pick on on a wide receiver that's been away from the game for for so long. I'd just I'd rather take something else there. Now, if he continues to fall and people are scared of him because of the suspension and he drops into the eighties, then yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to grab him because he's got, he's going to have eight to 10 targets a game off Tom Brady once he's back. But, but right there, it's just a, a little bit too rich for me. Yeah. The guys going around like Will Fuller, uh, Marquise Goodwin, Randall Cobb. I think those are target uh, places you should be targeting instead of Edelman. Unless, yeah, he drops down to the nineties, hundred range, I reckon. Um, Tom Brady, the big QB, 41 years old, still going. Um, I have sort of, I'm a bit tossed between Tom Brady because he's really good from weeks 1 to 12, but usually by that time they've won the division and he usually drops off towards your fantasy playoff time. Um, I don't know if I should take him or not. Uh, he's great value from weeks 1 to 12, but yeah, those fantasy, uh, fantasy playoff weekends, I'm just not really comfortable playing him. Yeah, it's it's possible they take the the foot off off the gas. Uh, we, we've we've seen it before, but you know he's just so good and so consistent. You know my philosophy on quarterbacks. They're going to quarterback three. I'm not going to take him at where he's going now, around sixty. Now, if he drops into the seventh round, I'm all over it because the value there is just too good to pass over. And um, we saw in the Super Bowl, even though he's about to turn 41, Tom Brady is as good as ever, if not better. He threw for 500 yards, three touchdowns. He was phenomenal. He did all he could, except maybe catching that bloody pass. Hmm. But, you know, that's not his job. His job is to is to play quarterback, and he did that exceptionally well, and he was let down by by, by a poor defense. It wasn't uh, Nick Foles' job to catch balls either, but he did, and he won the Super Bowl MVP, so... Just saying. Thanks. Thanks for that uh, nice little reminder. I appreciate nice. that. No worries, mate. Um, yeah, not much to say about Tom Brady. He's a superstar player, but yeah, I don't think I'll be taking him. He's going number 50 overall. That's just way too high for me. Yeah. Super flex leagues, two quarterback leagues. Uh, knock yourself out. The value the value is there and you get an, an elite quarterback who, who you know, finishes the QB4 last season. He's going to be a top five quarterback again. Yep. Um, moving on to the Buffalo Bills. So much. Ugh. Do we have to talk about them or can I just, you know, go pull my fingernails out because that is more attractive than the Buffalo Bills? Literally? You want to go pull your fingernails out? Go for it. <laughs> yeah, these guys are just an absolute mess as a franchise. They Even though they made the playoffs last year. They fell backwards into the playoffs. That was... Yeah, they were not a playoff team for certain. They were not a playoff team, even though they got there. They got there, you know, through through the help of of the uh, the Ravens and the, and the Bengals. They they shouldn't have been there. They have one, as far as I'm concerned, one viable fantasy football asset, and that's Lashawn McCoy. His situation is up in the air at the moment, but we might have touched on it last week. That's sort of being baked into his price now, going as the running back sixteen overall, which for McCoy is is a steal because. He's as good as a guarantee. Yeah, he's probably, as, going, he's uh, probably going later than that. That's probably because of um, early off-season things, and that was before um, his situation came out. So he's probably even going higher, say 8, 9. But now he's sort of going 20s, 30s range. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, um, <clears throat> excuse me. 
Yeah, so if you can get if you can take a chance on him there, why not? Because it's it's gone quiet. We haven't heard anything for for weeks about this situation. The NFL seems to be playing it cautiously, and the the we haven't heard anything from the police about this situation yet. Obviously, we don't have any information as to whether the allegations are are true or not. But given the, how it unfolded with Ruben Foster, the NFL might be a little bit more cautious now. So we'll see. We'll see. But uh, McDermott just came out and was raving about him saying how phenomenal he looks for a 30-year-old. And he also said he won't be on a pitch count. He's going to have as many carries as necessary to win them football games. Um I hate to break it to McDermott. They're not going to win many football games, but if they if he thinks Shady's going to help them do it, that's great for, for fantasy football. Don't trust AJ McCarron to lead the Bills back to the playoffs? <sighs> My goodness. I, AJ McCarron, Nathan Peterman, and Josh Allen. What an abs- absolute disaster of a quarterback room that is. Sure, mate. I, I've got high hopes on Josh Allen. That army, had, that army has is just unbelievable. He just needs a couple of years to put it together, mate, and he'll be fine. Yeah, maybe. Maybe in a couple of years he can refine his game because, yeah, his arm talent is just absolutely absurd. But right now, I don't want any part of the, the quarterbacks for, for fantasy football purposes. Yeah, right now, don't yeah worry about drafting uh, Bill's player apart from Sean McCoy. Um, moving on, yeah. There is. Sorry, got... one, one more thing I would just touch on. Because the, the tight end position can be such a, a mess, uh, Charles Clay, he's going undrafted right now. Just keep an eye on him, especially in, you know, for example, in the FF down under ball where there's a tight end premium or you want to stream him. Because for the first four games of 2017, he had 18 receptions, 227 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. So he, he started off really, really well, and then he, he tore his meniscus. But you extrapolate that over a 16-game sample size, and that would have put him at the tight end three. So obviously there's a lot of variables in there. Tyro Taylor's no longer the quarterback, but there aren't, there aren't many pass catching options there. Yes, they brought in Corey Coleman and they have Kelvin Benjamin there, who actually looked quite good in the preseason. But but Charles Clay could be a, a free tight end one by the end of the year. Yeah, he could be a sort of I'm sort of looking as a waiver wide target if I look to stream my tight ends. But yeah, he exactly. did have a lot of promise when he moved to Buffalo, but yeah, just never came to be. The other wide receivers on that team, let's touch on them quickly. Kelvin Benjamin Corey Coleman, who got traded last week. Um, I don't see them doing much unless there's improved quarterback play. I think Benjamin's going yeah, wide receiver 44. I wouldn't be taking there. I think he should be going undrafted with Coleman right now. Um, yeah, unless there's better quarterback play, I just don't see them going uh, doing well at all. No, I, I agree. You can't see them being incredibly productive. One of them will emerge as the, as the one, though, and they'll be cheap, so... You know, if you can get re- really late, <clears throat> either one of these guys, maybe even you know, Coleman is the better wide receiver. He's the better talent. If he can stay healthy, he might he might see enough volume to be a, a, a wide receiver three with with upside because he does have the ability to break off a, an 80-yard touchdown because of his, his speed and his, his deep threat ability. So, yeah. Moving swiftly on from the Buffalo Bills. I'll uh, go on to the Miami Dolphins. Um Ryan Tannell, their quarterback, is going undrafted at the moment. He's literally the epitome of a mediocre quarterback. There's not much upside to him. Coming back off an ACL injury last year where they had Jay Cutler fill in for him. Um, he's going under, yeah, undrafted at the moment. I think he's going quarterback number 33 or 32, somewhere way up there behind Baker Mayfield. No, sorry, quarterback 29 just before uh, Mayfield. 
Uh, yeah, just don't see the value in drafting him unless he becomes an MVP player, which I highly doubt. There's players around that have more potential to break out, which I'm more inclined to take. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Tannehill? Yeah, he's going to be a, a fine streaming option from time to time. That's that's pretty much all he'll be good for. You know, he'll have some he'll have games against the Patriots where you know the Patriots will probably put up quite a few points and he'll be forced to chuck it fifty times to keep them in it. So he'll be viable, probably be a viable play then. Like I mentioned earlier, Patriots defense isn't is not too much at the moment. He he'll get an opportunity to to torch the Buffalo Bills a couple of times. So there will be a few weeks where Tannehill is a, a probably a middle of the pack quarterback too. So you might get some nice streaming upside. But apart from that. No interest in him. He's he's waiver wire fodder. He does some good wide receivers around him. That is signed Danny Amendola, Albert Wilson, Devontae Parker, and Kenny Stills. I'm high on Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker. Um, I think Kenny Stills can be a breakout play this year. He's going very late. He's going wide receiver 52, 134 overall. Um, he's one of the yeah, best late-round gems, I reckon, this year. Um, he racked up 105 targets last year. So that's the ball gets thrown to him a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah, so I absolutely agree with you on, on, on Kenny Stills. And now Jarvis Landry, the ultimate target hog, is gone. There is so much volume available for wide receivers in Miami. <clears throat> Stills was the finish as the wide receiver 28 last year. He was being drafted around the wide receiver 60, 70-ish. And now there's 300 targets available. So he's just such a good later round option. And he, he has genuine high-end wide receiver to upside because he, he he scores touchdowns, he's efficient, and now he can add that volume on top. Yeah, he's a low-risk, high-reward sort of player. Um, he's better than Devontae Parker, who's yeah sort of played by injuries throughout his whole career. Um, he's failed to have his breakout season last year. Um, he would want to look... He's looking for a breakout season this year, but I highly doubt that it's going to be... It's going to happen, sorry. Um, yeah, as you said, Landry's gone, so there's a lot of targets to be had, but I think a lot of them are going to be taken by... Stills, Amendola, and their tight end Jacecki, who's been really good in camp lately. Um, yeah, he's a he's an athletic monster. Yeah, he's a very good sort of. I'm going to be taking him the down under ball if he's still there late in the rounds. Um, yeah, given sort of Parker's fails, I don't see him. He's wide receiver 41 or 03. That's just way too high for me. I wouldn't be taking him at all. I'll be avoiding him at all costs. Yeah, I'm. I'm not a fan of Parker. There's still a lot of. Devontae Parker truth is out there and he has all the tools. He, he you look at him and all of his, his his physical tools and his college production says that he should be a successful receiver in the NFL. It's not come to fruition for him. And apparently as well recently at camp yesterday, he was just absolutely shadowed by Xavier Howard. So he <laughs> he's not having the best camp either. And Adam Adam Gase is having stern words with him as well, apparently. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Amandola or Wilton, I do like it super late or or waiver wire pickups. When when a team goes out and, and pays wide receivers, and they paid Wilson a decent chunk of change, and and Amandola, to be fair, it's I was sad to see him go from the Patriots. He's a he's a fantastic player, really safe hands, uh, very good very good slot wide receiver, uh, uh, and very clutch as well. But it was nice to see him go and get a payday. He deserves it. He he took pay cut after pay cut to stay in New England. So I was pleased for him on a sort of personal level to see a, a talented player go and get a nice payday. So those guys have been paid for a reason. And so I expect to see them peppered in as well. Like I said, 300 targets available. That distribution uh, should 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 go around. Still should get a slight uptick. 
Parker should get a slight uptick, but the, the remainder should be should be funneled to to Amendola and Wilson. And yeah. Wilson is being lined up all over the place as well. They they really like him as a sort of gadget type player. So it, it lends me to more to to prefer Amendola for this season. Yeah, I really like Amendola too. If he can just stay healthy, which I hopefully he can. Um, I think he's very good value at wide receiver 78, 188 overall. Um, apparently, they have him and Tannel forged a good chemistry too throughout training camp. Um, but yeah, it's all just dependent on his health and if he can be, be playoff Danny like he was last year. Playoff Danny, he was so good. And uh, speaking of uh, Tannehill and, and forging relationships, he's not had the best one with Kalen Balage at the moment. He no. threw him out the huddle after he completely missed the block and, and got Tannehill flattened so yeah he he actually looked quite good in the preseason uh, what, what did you think of his performance he didn't look too bad at all but yeah if you can't pass block as a rookie you're not gonna get in the field unfortunately that's just how it is in the nfl but yeah he looked at, apparently he looked a lot lot better when uh the pads were off um he's still inconsistent um but yeah when he gets in open field no one can catch him he he's just one of uh, the one of the good running backs the in this year's draft. Um, the Dolphins obviously promised, but yeah, he had a fumble in preseason, which did hurt him too. And yeah, as you said, he got kicked out of the huddle by Ryan Tannehill, so that's never a good sign. But yeah, he's going at 167 overall at the moment. Um, that's not bad for a sort of you know, what, third down back. Yeah, so if you're going to take that zero RB strategy and you, you load up on wide receivers and, and maybe a tight end like Gronk in the first sort of half a dozen rounds of your draft. Kalen Balaj at 167, running back 58, is 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 a nice high upside given his athletic potential and the Dolphins sort of, you know, fascination with him. I'm not a Kalen Balaj truther. I don't think he's going to pan out. But, you know, at that point in the draft, you're aiming on upside and his upside is huge given his athletic potential or athletic ability rather. Absolutely. And yeah, he's running back number one and there's Kenyon Drake who was a beast at the end of this last season. I touched on that he's being sort of overrated at the moment, which I still believe. Uh, he's still he's going a bit later than I expected now. He sort of regressed to the mean back at 39, running back 22. But yeah, I'm I'm fine with the mindset. He's uh, he's not going to be averaging sort of 21 touches a game like he did last year. That's sort of Frank Gore's going to take his spot at um, touches as well. Kalen Balaj will too. Um, I will project Drake sort of having a low-end flex sort of option instead of a running back one, running back two. He just doesn't do it for me. I don't know why. I just see when I see him play, just blah. That's, that's all I get you from see, him. See, I, I, uh, I don't mind Kenyon Drake. His, his value sort of come down a little bit. You know, I was probably higher on him a few, few months ago, maybe about six weeks ago. But the Frank Gore... He's like a bad penny. He just he just keeps coming back and he and he produces. He's a future Hall of Fame running back. He won't be efficient. He won't be effective, but he will grind the ball out at three and a half yards per carry this season. And he will maybe vulture some touchdowns and he will take some carries away because he's reliable. So that definitely caps Kenyon Drake's upside. And yeah, I think around that running back, late running back two is the is a reasonable production. Uh, to to project for Drake. So if you know if he continues to lower in ADP, I'm, I'm go right ahead and and pull the trigger. He 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 did look good at the end of last season. He was the only mouth to feed in that situation, which definitely helped him. 
so yeah uh Kenyon Kenny Drake's a diff difficult one to unpack, but his ADP has fallen, and you know you're not expecting the the wide sorry the the running back one upside from him. So yeah, yeah, um, he, he is what he is, Kenyon Drake. Yeah, um, nothing much to touch on the Dolphins. Um, we've touched on Jaseki. Yeah, I think he's a good sort of uh, streamer play or even a tight end too if you look to have a backup. Um, but we'll move on to the Jets, who you said Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold just looked equally impressive too. Yep. Um, he's impressed so far in camp. I think he has every chance to start in week one. I'll be betting on it too. Teddy Bridgewater did look good too in preseason, but I assume that he's going to get traded. I think that's why the reason I signed him is to trade him away so I can get some value out of him. Um, McCown doesn't have much fantasy value unless you're desperate for a quarterback in a bye week, but I think Sam Donald's the way to go here. He's going undrafted. He's a good waiver wire pickup. Just wait till he see if he starts in week one, or perhaps yeah, um, if he's starting to play well, sort of week three, week four. I reckon that's when you sort of pick him up. But I wouldn't be drafting, but he's one to look out for, and I'm really excited for him. Yeah, I agree with that assessment of the of the QB situation for the Jets. You're right about Teddy Bridgewater. He did look good, and the rumors are that they are looking to to trade him. And it, if that's the case, it looks like a really shrewd move by the Jets, which is a rare thing to say, but. You know, it, it would be a, a good move. And yeah, the, the New York Jets beat reporters are all, all projecting Donald to start by week one. He's he's impressed in camp and he did look very good in his in his preseason opener. So we'll see if he can continue that progression and that development, hopefully get some uh, deeper completions going and, and, and linking up with some of his, his senior wide receivers. Uh, we'll touch on their wide receivers first because that's where sort of the main fantasy value is. They've got Robbie Anderson, who's still cloudy with a suspension. Um, Jermaine Kirst, uh, Terrell Pye, Quincy Numa, all four good players. Um, um, touch on Anderson first. He had, yeah, broke out last year with yeah 941 yards, seven touchdowns. Got elite speed and makes plays downfield. Um, he's a really, really good value uh, wide receiver, 38-98. Um, the suspension, I don't know if it's going to happen. I doubt it will if it's taking this long. If it is, it's going to be one or two games. Uh, you should be taking that wide receiver 90, uh, 34, sorry, 38. Well, yeah, wide receiver 38, he has got tremendous upside. He's, you know, he has that weekly ability to, to finish in, as a wide receiver one because he can, he can go off a, you know, a 70 yard touchdown, eight receptions, hundred plus yards. So, Absolutely within his, his range of outcomes and wide receiver 37. Uh, yeah, I, I like Robbie Anderson there. If his, you know, legal issues don't catch up with him and he's able to, to separate himself from the other wide receivers on the jet depth chart, because last year he really was him and Kurt were the only ones there. Obviously, Anuma was hurt. Uh, Terrell Pryor wasn't on the team. So he also was fortunate to, to have the volume last season. Whether or not he will get that, hope his play should demand it, but you know, we'll wait and see how that situation continues to unfold through the preseason and the final depth chart and, and who, who should be lining up. But yeah, I like, I like Anderson as a, as a being able to put him out as a wide receiver three sort of flex play, because it's nice to have a flex play who has that really high ceiling. Yeah. As I've said before, I draft for my team in December, not September. So even if he does have this mention, doesn't really worry me. It won't be that long either. So uh, I think everyone should be taking Robbie Anderson. Um, Jermaine Curse, who very he's very underrated. I really like Jermaine Curse. Um, really a, underrated. Really underrated. 
Um, 810 yards last year, five touchdowns, all career highs, and we've only been traded in the preseason two. So with a full year under Jeremy Bates, I want to just touch on a bit. Um, he has his new offensive coordinator, third in four years at New York. Um, he had two stints before this, 2008 with the Broncos, where Jay Cutler just went off. And they're one of the best um, offenses in the league. And they had 2010 with the Seahawks, where they're one of the worst offenses in the league. And that was when uh, Beast Mode was uh, came out, and that was the 7-9 NFC West champions. Um, but yeah, I don't know which one we're going to get, the Denver Broncos coordinator or the Seattle Seahawks coordinator. It's a bit hard to tell because it's eight years ago, eight, ten years ago. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because he does have the job now. And I really like Todd Bowles as a coach. Um, I think he can do um, wonders with this wide receiver group. Um, I think Jermaine Curse is going to benefit a lot He's he was ranked 30th last year in sort of fantasy football, so that's a good low-end sort of flex option. Um, he's going undrafted at the moment, or if so, he's going really, really late. I think he's worth a late pickup, especially in 12 teams, 14-team leagues. Um, he's just way too underrated. Yeah, he's a, a very underrated NFL wide receiver and he he proved to be a, a solid fantasy asset last season and I'm sure Seattle given the uh the very limited options on their wide receiver depth depth chart would love to have Jermaine Curse back uh, he was you know last last season you look at some of his his fantasy finishes he wide receiver five wide receiver seven wide receiver six over the course of the season that was not some good not so good ones as well but he, he also had consistent targets over the, the course of the season. There's only one game where he had three against Miami. But apart from that, he was targeted quite heavily. Uh, and could, like you said, that he, he came late to the side. And, and all things considered, it was a, a very impressive season, debut season in New York for, for Jermaine Curse. If he's, you know, he's going undrafted, he's free, he's he's. One of those players, especially if Sam Darnold is the starter and it starts to look good, that you might you might take a chance on. Yeah, if Darnold does start and does play well, he's yeah one to look out for too. Um, Terrell Pryor, who just uh, coming off off-season ankle surgery, um, he's slowly working through camp, but looks to uh, bounce back from a disappointing season last year with the Redskins. Um, I don't think he's worth looking at in the drafts right now. I think just wait till the waivers and uh, look at him there because you just have to wait and see with him. There's other people in front of him, Robbie Anderson, Jermaine Curse, and Quincy Inouye, who I like a bit more than Terrell Pryor. But yeah, just a wait and see approach with Terrell Pryor, this one. Yep, I, I agree with that. And the crazy crazy thing about Terrell Pryor is if he's on the field, he's probably going to be the most athletic player out there. He's just phenomenal. He's got the widest range of outcomes as well. He could, we, We've slow and his high was over a 1,000 yards with absolute trash at quarterback with the Browns and his low was barely getting on the field in Washington being hurt and doing absolutely nothing when people were really excited about his situation he bet on himself with a one-year prove-it deal it didn't work out for him and now he's, he's he's come to New York and he he could he does have the talent and the athletic ability to establish himself I think as the wide receiver two there I think Anderson's a better wide receiver and he's you know going to be a, a better deep threat because of his probably because of his you know blazing speed as well that Pryor also has but Pryor being a, he's about six foot five I think he's he's really he's really big, big bodied you know former former quarterback and he he, he can go up and com- compete for the ball he's been posting videos of him working on his hands all off season as well and looking quite good 
shorthand. So prior, who knows with him? Really, really unsure with the way that could go. But wave, wave of wire, keep an eye on him. And uh, yeah, that's the situation with Tor Prior. And lastly, Quincy Noomai. Um, he's in a cast at the moment. He's expected to miss a couple of weeks that, um, with a hand injury. Um, but he's supposed to have a breakout year last year with a neck injury. Unfortunately, that derailed it. Um, he had a solid uh, showing in 2016 where he had 857 receiving yards and four touchdowns um, with basically no quarterback too. I'm assuming he gets healthy. The Jets can hopefully um, use him in a sort of a wide receiver two role uh, with cursing the slot. I really like Inuma, but yeah, just depending if he can get in the field, he does have injury issues, which does hurt his value, which is why he's going 191, wide receiver 80 at the moment. But yeah, I think... He's one to look out for too. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that he's uh, in a in a cast at the moment. So that's that's not good. And j- impressive numbers in 2016. But if I if I think back, my memory serves me correctly. The, the Jets had no one at tight end of that year, and Anumar was all, all, almost a, an auxiliary sort of tight end position for them, uh, which is why why he was getting fed so much volume. And I just. The more I think about it, I, I mentioned maybe on the last episode or the, the one before, I did like Anumar's upside. But the, the more I think about it, given that he was coming back off a neck injury, given that there's these other wide receivers around, they've, they've got some tight ends that they're p- potentially high on. It could be the Anderson curse and Pryor show. With, I'd rather take a chance on on probably curse or Pryor at the moment than, than Anumar, given that he's not building that rapport with the with the quarterbacks he's missed all that time yeah i've i I'm, i've i've probably changed my tune and flip-flopped on a new one there but the more i think about it um i'm i'm not i'm not excited about his his prospects as much as i was yeah it's a thing about new players too they need those sort of reps with the team with training capital tas and yeah if Numa out with uh, not out there with sam donald's quarterback it's going to hurt his value too with guys like yep. curse and anderson being out there um, yeah, you said the tight ends before. They've got sort of five tight ends I don't know what to do with. They've got Clive Orford with, uh, from the Raiders. They picked off a of waivers. Um, Jordan Leggett they drafted, who I think they're, they're high on, but he's just not there yet. Um, uh, Herndon, Chris Herndon got high praise from Jason Witt this week. Um, don't know what. Yeah, he got very high praise. I can see your shock didn't face. He get, didn't he get arrested? Or am I completely confusing him with somebody else? Wasn't the Didn't... Didn't, there was a Jets uh, rookie tight end who got into some trouble with the police. Maybe it was someone else and he's already being cut by now, but there was... No, I'm not too sure. I just Googled it. Don't, don't really uh, know what you're talking about. But um, I know Chris Hernan's out at the moment. He's got a sort of... Uh, f- uh, I forgot what injury he has, but he's uh, out at the moment. He's sat out the preseason opener, but I think they're high on him. But yeah, these tight ends in New York, I'm um, just not sold on yet until we'll see this uh, in-season action. Yeah, so I, I, I was right. He was Chris Anderson and he was arrested for a DWI after a, a car crash. Ah, there you go. So that's not looking good for him. That's probably why he fell down so late in the draft. Yeah, over the legal limit and uh, he was, yeah, charged, charged with a DUI. Ah, here we go. Got a two. Hmm, there you go. Anyway, we'll move on. I think that's the end of the uh, AFC East preview. But uh, actually, lastly, one more thing with the New York Jets. I uh, like their defense a lot too. It's sort of a... 
waiver wire pickup too. Just underrated. Jamal Adams coming to his second year. The secondary looks really good. Um, they're just one to look out for too. Yeah, I I agree with that. The, the Jets D could could surprise some folks. Alrighty, then that is it for the AFC East preview. And uh, as always, we'll finish on our mailbag questions. Lewis, let's get it started. All right. So, first question comes from Owen, and he wants to know some value tight ends going outside the top ten. Now, I assume this is motivated perhaps by the the FF down under ball draft that's going on right now. Uh, tight ends have supreme value, so it'd be good to, to stack some of those. So I, I I picked out three who I, I think are, are value right now. First one is Tyler Eifert. Now, we all know his problems with injuries and the likelihood of him playing full 16 games is slim. But when you're looking at value, you've got to look at the upside. And if he's fit, he's a, a very, very good tight end. And he does have sort of top five, top eight at the position upside. So Tyler Eifert is my first one. Again, uh, uh, continuing on a theme of injured tight ends, Jordan Reed. I don't particularly uh, like him for his draft position at the moment just because of the injuries, but he's an incredibly gifted tight end, more of a wide receiver. In fact, he's he's awesome when he's on the field. He's going to put up top five numbers. And then lastly, former New York Jet, Austin Safarian Jenkins, who looked to dominate the tight end position in Jacksonville, who's building a rapport with Bortles by all accounts. So they're my top three. Uh, have you got any any guys you'd, you'd look to take late at tight end? I agree with you with Tyler Eifert. Yeah, just depending on injuries with him. Um, I've gone with the two second-year tight ends, David Njoku and OJ Howard. Um, I think if they can improve from last year, I know Njoku has bad hands, but with a better quarterback, hopefully, with a Taylor of Mayfield, I think he can improve a lot. And yeah, OJ Howard, it's just all yeah. dependent on uh, how well Jameis Winston goes um, this year. But yeah, I think both have high upside. I Still high, yeah, high on both of them. Hopefully, they can have breakout years. But yeah, apart from that, there's you got Mike Jacecki, who's yeah Miami, who we touched on. Vance McDonald's not too bad if Roethlisberger throws in the ball. Um, but yeah, that's about it from sort of outside the top ten. Yep, I and I I like some of those as well, especially in Joku. He showed out in the preseason game. He looked very good. I think he got. Did he get two touchdowns? And a few few of the catches. Um, yeah, so I like Njoku. Howard, we, we, we touched on in the books preview how much Winston likes the tight end position. He's he's supremely talented. We'll we'll see whether he can, you know, usurp Cameron Bray as the as the tight end one there. And Vance McDonald as well. I mean, you want a piece of a, a high octane offense, and that's and that's Pittsburgh. So uh, I, I like some of those names as well. Next question comes from Bryce, and he he wants to. You know if you got a, a steal of, of OBJ in the FF down under bowl, your your mate Odell Beckham. Now he's across all ten divisions, and and for those who who don't know, each division is its own separate draft. There's a player copy uh, across all of the ten divisions. This is crazy to me. OBJ is ADP was twelve point two. He went as late as seventeen in one draft, which ah, good good people, good people. <sighs> I mean, obviously, the tight end premium has pushed that back. You know, people were taking Gronk and Kelsey ahead of him sometimes, and a few a few people because of the super flex and the six point passing touchdowns took Aaron Rodgers. That's not it. But Od Odell Beckham at twelve point two ADP is just it's just crazy, and I can't wait for next season when normal order is restored and he's the you know he was a top three wide receiver on the season. People just like to listen to my advice. That's all it is. I know my girlfriend uh, took him at ten, just in spite of me. 
but no. good. Well, well, well done, well done, Max. No, nah, but look, he's he's a good. Yeah, if he's in the seventeen range, yeah, take him there. But he's not top ten. That's all I'm saying. He's a hundred percent, hundred percent top ten. I, just, I I can't wait. I can't wait to okay to just just rub this in your face. Who, who is who has <laughs> been will... who has been uh, uh, Odell Beckham's best wide receiver? That he's played with who has been Ruben Randall. Is that the best one? Well, Sterling Shepard's about to be better than him. Eli Manning has yeah, regressed maybe, a lot. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe Sterling Shepard. Evan Ingram, good second-year tight end, and Saquon Barkley. He's never played with a running back like Saquon Barkley. He's going to take a lot of touches and a lot of targets away from Odell. And Pat Sherman loves to use running backs in his offense. I'm not saying he's bad, but yeah. he shouldn't be taking him there. Yeah, but it's Odell Beckham. It's like it's the it's like saying you don't like Antonio Brown because Le'Veon Bell's there. Maybe I don't like Antonio Brown. Yeah, I, I can't I can't even I can't even go down this road with you. All right, don't then. Let's let's move on to the second part of Bryce's question, which I get we really covered at the top of the show, and that was just about McKinnon's knee injury, and he wanted to know the depth behind there, but. Yeah, we, 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 like I said, we covered that off the rest of preseason. Jeremy, Jeremy McNichols and uh, Joe Williams are going to get, get the run. And we all know about the pounding the table for Joe Williams. So we'll see if he can, if he can show out and see what all, all the, uh, the hype was about. But yeah, Jeremy McNichols couldn't even make a roster spot for the Tampa Bay Bucks with, with uh, the, Muscle hamster, Doug Baldwin. Uh, Doug Baldwin. Sorry to disrespect you like that, Doug Baldwin. Um, Doug Martin. Doug Martin on the roster. So I don't care about Jeremy Jeremy McNichols at all. Yeah, I think yeah, McKinnon. It's only a slight, not sort of minor injury. So he should be back by week one or even um, earlier. A um, couple of pre uh, training hit before that, but yeah, it's nothing really to uh, sort of talk about. Really, he's going to be back. He's going to be healthy. Um, I was hoping for yeah Matt Breida as I touched on before to be back uh, to be taking his snaps, but obviously he's out too. But yeah, um, McKinnon will be fine. Yeah, and our last question for this week comes from Matt, and he wants to know who do we think will be the most improved fantasy defense, sort of similar to how Jacksonville was last year with dominant defense. My candidate is the Texans because JJ Watt is back, he's healthy. You got Jadavian Clowney there. Whitney Merciless coming back. They signed the Honey Badger and drafted Justin Reed. So they beefed up their, their safety position. So, I, you know, their cornerback isn't situation isn't the best after they let A.J. Bouye go to, to Jacksonville. But I still think for, for fantasy purposes, they should be able to get plenty of sacks, maybe, maybe a few uh, return touchdowns after Clowney and, and J.J. Watt murder a quarterback. And then they also have a nice return guy as well in Tyler Irvin, who who is is very athletic, was a productive return guy in college, uh, and, and and has done done fine so far in his his pro career to date. So there's that upside of a potential potential return touchdown as well. Yeah, you basically took my pick too. I was going to say the Texans as well. Um, oh, there we go. Yeah, but not to sort of I'll, yeah, as I said, New York Jets as well. They're a team to look at, and also Green Bay too. Um, I don't mind them as well. If you're sort of looking at those other uh, teams apart from the Texans, but yeah, they're not worth a pick at the moment. They're just yeah, waiver wise at the moment, streaming sort of teams. Yeah, and there's one more team, and I promise it's not a, an ultimate homer pick, 
But the Patriots were surprisingly fine fantasy football defense last year, despite the fact that they were a pretty porous real NFL defense because the the offense has got the ability to put up 40 points on pretty much anyone. Teams have to throw against them and, and, and do rash stuff to, to force the issue. So the defense does get the interceptions. They do get the, 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 uh, the sacks and the, the, the strip sacks for return touchdowns and, and, and stuff like that. So uh, they'll, they'll, they'll probably be undrafted because of how bad they were in, in real NFL last season. So the Patriots could be a nice, a nice uh, fancy football defense. Also, we've got to mention the Denver Broncos too. Um, having Bradley Chubb's number five yeah. pick. Von Miller, them two are going to be absolute force. Um, even though they did trade away at keep Tlaib, I think they could be one of the best defenses, especially with a good quarterback, which is going to help. Um, the Denver Broncos defense one to look out for too. Yeah, agree there. Um, is that it? No more mailbag questions there, Lewis? No more mailbag questions for for this week, so we'll probably get a few few more in. And uh, well, I've got a mailbag question for you. I've got a mailbag question for you, mate. How's your how's your FF Den under team going, mate? I'm I'm pretty pleased with it overall. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm I'm thrilled based on how the draft's shaking out, and you know the tight end the tight end premium. It looks like coming in at the, the the back end of the round is probably given an edge to people who've been able to, to maybe stack the tight ends there with Gronk and Kelsey or Gronk Ertz, whatever you want to do. But but I'm, I'm quite pleased. I've got my, my two quarterbacks now, although I need to take one because one of them is James Winston, so I've got to do something about those mm. first three weeks. got Matthew Stafford, who I think is just going to have an absolute monstrous year. I opened up with Todd Gurley, who fell to me at 103, which I was very happy about considering in eight out of the ten leagues, he went 101. And then my wide receiver trio is... Is, is really, really nice, I think. It's Julio Jones, Jarvis Landry, and Alan Robinson, all who have the potential to finish inside the, the top 12 this season. And like I mentioned, uh, Tyler Eifert and, and Jack, is my tight end too. I've got Jack Doyle. And I'm now just realizing, looking at this, that they've both got a bye week in week nine. So I'm going to have to to take another tight end and uh, try and try and resolve that mess. I don't really pay attention to bye weeks when I'm drafting. I'm always figuring you can get a workaround, but given the tight end premium here, um, yeah, I might have to, I might have to, uh, to go tight end again in the, with my next pick. Yeah. My uh, team is looking pretty good at the moment. I'm really happy with it. Got Delvin Cook. and I got the 12th pick. Sorry. Got Delvin Cook and Michael Thomas with 12 and 13. Um, really happy with those two. Uh, I wanted sort of a double quarterback in my sort of late rounds. I wanted Rivers and Stafford, but Stafford got picked to uh, one before me, which was annoying, as well as Marquise Goodwin, which is annoying again. But now I've got, yeah, Rivers is my quarterback. Still looking for my second one. I think Alex Smith just got taken, which I'm pretty uh, bummed about. But yeah, got a sort of nice team with Mark Ingram, uh, Rex Burkhead, and Dalvin Cook as my running backs. Kyle Rudolph is my tight end. Which I, I love that. Love Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, and my trio right now is, yeah, Diggs, Baldwin, and Thomas. So I'm really happy with my team at the moment, even with that 12th pick. Yeah, it's it's coming together coming together really nicely for you there. As, as I mentioned, I've got I've got Rex Burkhead as well. So I think I've only, only through the nine rounds at the moment, but yeah, it does take we'll, a while. We'll see how the rest of the draft plays out, but I, I still think I... There's always one person that? just taking their time. There's always one person in the league. Always one. Yeah, yeah. Always, always the one who, who holds up the clock. But that's just the uh, that's the the pleasure of slow drafting. It is. Um, well, that will do us for this week of the uh, Vault Studio Fantasy Football Podcast. 
Thanks for tuning in. And again, you can follow our website, thevaultstudio.com.au. Um, also, give us a like on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Vault Studio. And lastly, you can follow Lewis's page, FF Down Under, on Facebook and Twitter. Lewis, have a great week, mate. I'll speak to you next week. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Have a good week, mate. You too. Yeah. Hey, hit records on my demo.